Homage to the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. Today's question is, I need help with the contemplation of death meditation. As you said in the talk, it's difficult to even come to try to do this meditation. I find myself becoming physically sick when I start to do the steps. And most times I get as far as picturing a dead body and then I can't seem to go on. Do you have any advice on how to overcome this? How have other meditators who have been successful overcome fears or blocks? Most grateful for any help. So this is a very common experience when you start to do the contemplation of death. It comes in the form of mental blocks and then also physical ailments. So with mental blocks, sometimes people can't even picture a dead body. So it's hard to believe because there's so many movies and things that happen in our life and we, we do see uh, dead bodies, maybe not right there, but generally on the TV screen you can generally see them. But when it comes to meditation, sometimes you don't even see that. It, the mind just freezes up. And then some people see the image or the picture in their mind, but then they can't go further. It's almost like the, the gates shut and then you can't go on. And then in terms of physical ailments, uh, it ranges from you get itchy to very agitated to experiencing some sort of physical pain. And all, all these different symptoms, what happens is you end up getting up off your cushion and, and don't want to come back and try that meditation again. And some people persist but don't still don't get very far. So there's a number of things that can be can be done in order to help and, and some of them are around external factors and some of them are internal. So it's good to understand that you're not alone in in how this manifests because if you really understand that if we see birth aging, sickness and death, that process, that bigger picture process, then if you see the truth of it, you're really starting to develop the Dhamma eye, to see the, the real genuine truth about what we're all subject to. And the blocks are really coming from, particularly with death, is about life. So life in terms of how we get intoxicated with life means that we don't go and sit on the cushion and want to do this meditation. So that's already a plus that you want to do this meditation. The second is when we come to try to do this meditation, all the things in our life are kind of blocking us mentally because we have so many responsibilities or we often slip into the distraction side of it in order to relieve the dukkha of jatibhidukkha that Living in the human realm can be quite frustrating, stressful, and, and heavy. And, and so the intoxication with life comes in when you distract yourself with either sensual pleasures or other things. And so when you come to do the death contemplation, that is already a heavy thing that is a tendency. And so, of course, you don't necessarily want to see this. But if you admit to it, then it's somewhat easier. And of course, when it comes to aging and sickness, then we have different intoxications. We have intoxication with youth when it comes to aging. And when it comes to sickness, it's intoxication with good health. And so those are the blocks in those instances. So what I would suggest is to definitely persist. And we'll come to some of the things that we can lean on in order to do that. But there's a couple of things that I wanted to address initially. The first one is around setting in terms of the environment when you actually come to do this meditation. 
One of the things that is unhelpful is when you're meditating in a place that you don't feel safe, that you may not have thought of it this way, but sometimes it's around that. Because when you do the death contemplation, you're really needing safety or the, the idea that you feel safe. So a lot of people, when you do this meditation at home, particularly if you have a meditation room or a corner, and it's a place where you've cultivated meditation, that's a good place to do this meditation. And also to find the right time. So we, we live with people, so we don't want to be interrupted or to be concerned about that. So make sure that uh, you've carved out some time in order to do this meditation. Sometimes also it feels rushed if you only have 10 minutes, particularly at the beginning. So for seasoned meditators doing the contemplation of death, all these things don't really matter once you've started to penetrate because you, you may only need 10 minutes. But at the very beginning, you need a little bit more time to allow the meditation to unfold. And therefore, the safe environment and carving out some time so you're not going to be interrupted or distracted. So if you know you're going to be interrupted or if you have an event coming up, then it's probably good not to do this meditation before that because you'll have the anxiety already around, oh, well, in, in this time, I need to watch the time, I, I need to go. And for some people, what they do is, in terms of a safe environment, some people in the beginning, when they start this meditation, they feel like they need to go to a place where there's been a lot of cultivation of meditation, or that there's been a lot of goodness. So a lot of people find that this meditation for them may work if they go to their temple or they go to their monastery. Now, some of this may not be um, available at this time because of restrictions and lockdowns, but if it is possible, then that's also another thing to bear in mind that if you feel safety in meditation, that you've had good meditations in a particular place because the energy, the energetic quality to you feels good, then try doing this meditation there. The other thing I would say is, uh, I'll give another example from Sri Lanka, is that some people, go to the most uh, place where they, they have the most conviction, the most faith, the most sadda. So I know one person went to a place called Sri Dalada, which is the temple of the sacred truth. And there are Buddha relics there. And so when they went to this place, uh, they felt uh, an enormous sadda, enormous conviction towards Buddha Dhamma Sangha, towards the triple gem. And so in effect, either it helped or in this person's mind it really really helped them to actually uh, break through because they were struggling to do this meditation but when, when they went to that place it was possible and thereafter they could do this meditation anywhere else so those are some external tips around timing and also around the environment if we look at the words in the Mahasatipatthana Sutta, so you can find this either in the longer discourses, and it's discourse number 22 in Digha Nikaya, or it's discourse number 10 in the Majjhima Nikaya, the middle length discourses. So what it says at the beginning of the channel ground meditations is, suppose a mendicant were to see a corpse discarded in a channel ground, and it had been dead for one, two or three days, bloated, livid and festering. They compare it with their own body. This body is also of that same nature, that same kind, and cannot go beyond that. That too is how a mendicant meditates by observing an aspect of the body. So 
with this meditation, what we were saying during the Dhamma session is that you take the dead body, you bring it to your mind as an image of it being dead for at least three days because that's where you really start to see the bloating, lividness and festering. Now, the recommendation is always that if you have seen a dead body before, some of us are, have actually seen that because of the culture or that, you know, of the country that we live in or the culture that we come from and how they do funerals and things. So for some of us, there isn't the ability to see that because everything isn't seen, like the body is all covered up and, and you never see it. Or if you see it, it's all being made up to look as if it was still alive or at least close to it as possible. So sometimes that's not possible. But if you have seen it, then it's really useful because you actually get a, a true idea about it and that's what you're bringing to your mind when you see it. Same with if you've seen a loved one because that's very powerful. Usually if we see something on the TV, we can use that, but it's still very removed. The mind kind of says to oneself, that's over there, that's got nothing to do with me. That's one of the biggest blocks is that we can't see our own death coming. We refuse to because we've been conditioned not to. It's all about living. If you remember what people always say to us, life is good, just keep going, climb the career ladder, do all these things, get married, have a family, so on and so forth. And, and that's the convention and there's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to this meditation, that then becomes the block because it's unhelpful in that the mind wants to stay very, very far away from this noble truth. Now, if you have as your object a, a loved one that's passed away, when you meditate on it, most meditators say that is very, very powerful because you're more willing to go and lie down next to that dead body in one sense, because it's not just a random dead body. And so for some people, when they can picture their loved one that has passed away, and then to be real, to really be able to see the decomposition of that body and to allow yourself to go and lie down next to that body and then to just meditate and wait for the meditation to unfold and to be patient with that, uh, sometimes it doesn't come automatically. The body has to relax into the meditation, ease itself into the meditation and know that it's doing it from a very wholesome perspective. So one of the things is to make a very strong intention before you go into the meditation, out of refuge to Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha, you make this resolution with yourself by saying, I really want to see this truth. And you say it in a very genuine sense. So it's not a sense of you just say it because you're making this, this thing, this intention, this resolution. But if you genuinely want to see it, then you make this resolution based on one's spiritual faculty. So you can make it based on one's refuge in, in Buddha, refuge in Dhamma, refuge in Sangha. And when you do this before you do the meditation, or even while you're doing this meditation to clarify one's resolution or intention, it does help the meditation. There have been meditators who who get quite frustrated because of the blocks and then get a little angry and then don't do this meditation. And then what they've said is they've come back with a very strong intention. 
and resolution and really almost on the refuge of Buddha Dhamma Sangha said, I really, really want to see. And it almost compels the mind, which is blocked, to release itself when you make a very, very strong intention. Some other people make it on their virtue. So they say, with the virtue that I have cultivated by not killing, by not taking what's not given, by not, no sexual misconduct, by no lying and by, no, by taking no intoxicants, then they say on, this, on, on the power of, of the sealer that I've been able to, to undertake, may I see this as well. So that's another way of doing that. And then the, the meditation has the ability to unfold. So that's another way of helping it along. I'd like to now make reference to the Dhatu Vibhanga Sutta and it's in Majjhima Nikaya chapter 140 and it talks about four determinations or aditanas. These are mental standpoints, determinations or resolutions. And when you look at uh, what the Buddha says, the Buddha actually calls out that there is the determination of wisdom, so this is the Panyaditana. There's also the determination of truth, so this is the Satcha Aditana. There's then the determination of relinquishment, Chaga Aditana. And then lastly, you have the Upasamadhi Aditana, it's the de determination of peace or calm. So the Buddha actually says in this sutta, one should not neglect wisdom, should preserve truth or guard the truth, should cultivate relinquishment and should train for peace. So this is what we're trying to, doing, to do when we're walking the Noble Eightfold Path. In terms of this wisdom aspect, the determination of wisdom, this is what we're doing when we do the contemplation of death, when we do the contemplation of aging and sickness, these are, and, and also birth, but particularly aging, sickness and death, because you're really trying to see through the wisdom eye. So that's the very important thing that one needs to understand. We're not just seeing death through the, the eye faculty, we're actually activating from our spiritual faculties the faculty of wisdom. So we want to see this noble wisdom. And when you do any of the asubha bhavana, the meditations which are on foul things to do with the body, this is what we're doing. And the other one that's very important is the determination for truth that as we were saying just before, that when you make this resolution that you really, really want to see, you're doing it on the satchaditana. You don't want to see anything else that is a lie or a deception. You only want the truth. So these two mental standpoints or determinations are very helpful when it comes to doing the death contemplation. And then as you do other meditations, the chagaditana, the, the, the giving up, the generosity, the things also help you. So sometimes even before doing the contemplation of death, another way of looking at it is if you recall all the good deeds, if you recall all the uh, punya activities that one does right before you do this contemplation of death, this can be also very helpful because really what you're saying is there is a level of chaga that you're doing. You give up something that you would have done for yourself or that you've cultivated to help others and you use the power of that in order to see the contemplation of death very clearly. And then of course the determination of peace is that you actually want to see it from a place of peace that you're, you're really settling into the truth of it 
and that's where the happy the real happiness is uh, as opposed to this 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 suffering this dukkha so this particular sutta can be very helpful if you recall to mind these four uh, determinations and so the last uh, slide that i have is on the Patilabha Sutta, and I bring this sutta in because it talks about the five spiritual faculties. So I've made reference to them in answering this question today. And this particular sutta is from the Sangyutta Nikaya, chapter 48, discourse number 11. And in fact, there are many suttas on the spiritual faculties. They normally list them out, but in this particular case, it gives a little bit more. So in terms of the five spiritual faculties, they're known as the Indriyas. And they are sadda, which is conviction or faith. There's virya, which is energy. There is mindfulness, which is sati. Concentration, which is samadhi. And then, of course, you have the wisdom faculty, which is the panya. So at each one, you can actually activate. And this is what we're trying to do. These are the spiritual faculties that we're sharpening as we do more and more learning and more and more meditation and practice. These spiritual faculties will help us all the way to the end. So all the way to Nibbana, to uprooting the taints and everything. And that's what uh, the Buddha says throughout the Sutta So when it comes to Sadda, as I've said before, this is what you can lean on, that you lean on the Buddha Dhamma Sangha, and particularly the Buddha, that if you have enormous Sadda conviction and confidence towards the Buddha, then you can really rely on that in taking in the words of the Buddha and then following the instructions. But also in the sense of that with the power of the Buddha's wisdom faculty, then that's also something that you can meditate on right before doing the, the contemplation of death. Because the enormity of the Buddha's wisdom faculty to see all these things. And remember, the Buddha only taught us a handful of leaves. There are many dhammas he did not teach us. So on the faculty of conviction... Uh, this can be very powerful. And of course, energy. So faculty of energy, this virya in indriya is really saying, even if it's very difficult to do this meditation, I'm going to persist. I'm going to persist with this wholesome cultivation because I really want to see. And quite often, this is what you need to pick yourself up when you can't do this meditation, to just keep trying. And even if you get blocked, you try all these different things that we've spoken about until something works. And even as the meditation unfolds, and there may also be difficulty once you start to enter uh, in terms of the concentration, it may want to throw you out of the concentration as you're looking at one's own dead body. And to really persist and keep coming back until you truly, truly see. And you'll see a lot of description in your meditation. So energy is very important. The third one is the mindfulness that really one of the fundamental things about this is the Satipatthana is built on Kayanupasana. If you don't have Kayanupasana, then Vedanupasana, Chittanupasana and then Dhammanupasana don't unfold correctly. So that's the really important thing to know about this spiritual faculty of mindfulness that the the Satipatthana really begins with Kayanupasana. And so when you attempt to do this contemplation of death, you're really trying to make that firmly established. And then with the faculty of concentration, then you gain the concentration, the unification of mind, that the more you practice this meditation 
and whether it's the contemplation of death or other ones, the unification of the mind becomes easier. You become, uh, you have ready access to the absorptions, ready access to to go into a very calm state of mind, and the death contemplation can really give you that because you go through that quite vividly, and then it, when it really deepens and expands, it's such a strong concentration. And then the last one, as we've referred to in this uh, session, is wisdom faculty. Remember, this is what you're seeing it from. So when it says here, it's when a noble disciple is wise, they have the wisdom of arising and passing away, which is noble, penetrative, and leads to the complete ending of suffering. So what we're doing when we do birth, aging, sickness, and death, is we're seeing the arising and we're seeing the passing away of this body. We're seeing that, that this is really our predicament. And when we do further meditation, such as the Samadhi Bhavana Sutta, then you know how you can, how we cause this body to arise and then how we cause it not to arise. But when you're simply doing the birth, aging, sickness and death, but you're seeing the truth of this predicament, so arising and passing away of the body, that the body is unlasting, the body is subject to change through aging, sickness and then death. And then you see, how can you take this body as as me and mine when it is subject to all these things it's a bad deal and so you're seeing that from the faculty of wisdom so that's what you're sharpening every time you learn a sutta memorize some words discuss it meditate on it investigate it concentrate on it and then correct the view you are sharpening these spiritual faculties and it's a very very helpful, beneficial, valuable, and wholesome thing. So I'll leave the answer to this question here and wish you well with the meditation. Blessings of the Triple Gem, wishing you well. Theravansaranai.